When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Everybody, this would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Great to be with you as always on a Libations Friday, loosey-goosey edition of the program. Tom's in Manhattan still. I'm in Tallahassee. This is pre-recorded. He flies out. That's the way it had to be. It's all right. Fresh content for the day. It's not going to change anything. The games are going to get kicked off when they get kicked off. Very excited about the playoffs, obviously. Very excited about the matchups and plenty of those to be talked about, as well as Florida State's preview for basketball. And by the way, we're less than a month away from baseball beginning, and I do sense that it's in the air. People are excited to watch this team. Got a new cool conversation yesterday with somebody who uh, knows a thing or two about Florida State's roster and team and coaching staff, and so uh, I'll, I'll pass that along. Uh, in a little while, but I, I think that there's going to be opportunities uh, for us to get excited about that as well, just an aside. So it is, we move forward again. Next hour, mom will join us. Uh, I think she's dead in the water. She took the Bucks last week. I also think she took the Chargers and I had the Jags, so this is over. This is a wrap. That's it. She's done dealing. Back victorious as it should be, although I do Hold out hope, Butts fans, that the Jags play well this weekend. We shall see. Hey, look at that. I'm glad that Deion Sanders decided to victimize another school in the state of Florida instead of Florida State. This time it's Miami, which invariably leads to questions of, see, we could have had him. No thanks. No thanks. We'll expound on that again. But uh, I am curious, by the way, do you think, Tom, that Deion Sanders wins at Colorado? And there we go. The unmute function. Uh, one for one. Um, it was a dramatic pause, folks. That's uh, that's the radio business. I like it. Define wins. Wins enough to land another job. Wins enough for Colorado to be legitimate in college football. There are different definition of wins, and and I think everything's at risk. But what do you mean that he can maybe take the Colorado job and elevate himself, just like Jay State got him to Colorado? Is that what you're saying, or that? Colorado sometime in the next two or three seasons has a nine or a 10 win season. Well, let's go to that one. Let's go. Can he win, win nine or 10 wins would be monumental for Colorado. If that happens, by the way, that is a raging success 
and Deion Sanders would have proven me wrong uh, about his uh, viability as a head coach in the Power Five at this stage of his career. Um, I know the game's changed a lot. The first time we had this discussion, going way back, because there had been dalliances, or he had spoken of wanting to do this in the past when he worked for NFL Network. And at that time, NIL, NIL didn't exist. The transfer portal didn't exist. A lot of these things that are in place now that make it possible for a public relations uh, head coach to win, uh, they've all come about. And, and that has, I think, greatly aided him uh, because I believe that if you hire good coaches around you, and he hasn't, uh, I don't know if you've seen the video of Tim Brewster okay. looking like a clown uh, and, and just making a mockery uh, of these poor young men. Uh, but the, these kinds of uh, buffoons, uh, you know, I guess have a chance initially to win because you can pull the wool over people's eyes and do theatrical things and uh, maybe convince some kids to come play for you. But developing kids, caring about kids, being there for the long haul and the daily grind, uh, that sustains long-term success. And I'm curious to see if that's possible, uh, given the level of selfishness that I see on their staff. Yeah, I'd say that he needs the ball to bounce his way early in his tenure. I, I don't know that, you know, it'll he'll have three or four seasons to get where he, he needs to go before this thing would implode. So if turnover luck could beget an extra two wins in year one for him. He needs that to happen in order to legitimize what he's doing to continue to make it an attractive spot for recruits right now. It's splashy, but is it attractive? They got splashy players, but will they get players who are looking to succeed legitimately at the collegiate level? That's the problem. And if he can do that, if they get some lucky bounces earlier on and, and his first year schedule is not easy. Don't they play TCU right out the gate? Yeah, uh, and that's not it. They're going to get beat, yes. And that's not conference. Um, you know, you, you've got to make a transition at some point in the eyes of recruits and in the eyes of potential new assistant coaches that, all right, yeah, there's a lot of glitz and glam, but there's also substance to what you're doing. So I think in order to get there, you need a little bit of luck. And that's not unlike many other circumstances. I mean, you said this about Coach Norvell in his time in Tallahassee. They're very different coaches, don't get me wrong, and, and different leaders of a program. But something good has to happen for a culture to be able to flip or for a culture to be able to legitimize itself. So, I mean, if we're just looking at it without the polarizing part of Deion Sanders, which is very, very difficult to do, you've got to have some kind of 50-50 moment tilt your way in order to put you over the top or to send a signal that says, I'm here to stay. And this is not just a clown show. This is something that can actually work legitimately. But I don't know when that moment would come. And I don't know that I believe that that moment is going to happen in year one. He might need a full season before they can even be in position to do that. Yeah, they won't compete at a high level next year. And I think for as long as the central theme of Deion Sanders is I, Deion Sanders, I, Deion Sanders will do this, this, and this, and you will do this, this, and this because I am doing this and this, you're going to have a hard time growing culture. Uh, there's not a lot of we in there. And, uh, and, and so I will be very surprised if that is developed, but it's possible in a way that it wasn't five to seven years ago when we had this discussion the first time. And I thought about it. Somebody might say, why are you leading with this? Well, 
Colorado flipped, Dion flipped five-star quarterback Romani McClain from Miami yesterday, and that made headwaves. That's why I, I'm bringing up it's the second straight year, uh, obviously, that he's been able to do that. And um, now he's in a position, obviously, to you got Hunter and McClain now. You'd like to think that you have two elite corners in your in your camp. Um, it will be fascinating, you know. I don't think his son's any good at quarterback, but apparently he's told everybody that's a huge upgrade. So we'll, we'll see. Um, he did at his introductory press conference. Yeah. Uh, by the way, folks, here's your quarterback. And then mm-hmm. the, and then the people clap. Yeah. <laughs> it was very, oh, really the whole thing has, has he even announced that he's transferring yet. Yeah. Uh, what, what is this process? We're just here is your step. quarterback. <laughs> and then he goes, if he earns it, I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah. He's not going to earn it. Yeah. You're, you're going to bring your son to play quarterback at Colorado. And somehow if he gets beat out Dion, then you might as well quit right then and there, dude, well, because it's not like they're littered right now with players, but you're right. That, that whole, even that introductory meeting with his, his team was more than cringeworthy. I mean, it's like, what are you going to do to prove to me that you have the right to get my time and my attention? It's it like, was, yeah, man, I, it was crazy person talk. I get that. These are a bunch of kids that have, have put together, you know, a two win season or whatever it was, but you're going to need some of them and you can't flip 80 people on a roster in one day. Like there's a part of me that appreciates the cutthroat nature of what he was saying, but it's not a, that's not a way you create culture. And all of the people that were in his corner from day one, like media personalities, rich eyes and NFL network has been one of those where you're just an advocate. Yeah. Rich, you're a smart man. How? Cause he, he would say things like, wait, do you see the staff that he builds? Okay, I've seen the staff that he's built. Not good. I'm not impressed, Rich. I don't know what you thought you were going to see. Do you think yeah. he was going to get Saban to be the defensive coordinator and then go get a hot shot OC? Like uh, he's going to go get uh, your guy over at USC, and it's the superstar staff underneath primetime. No, it's Tim Brewster, Charles Kelly, David Kelly, and is Willie on that staff too as an analyst? Like, no, man, this ain't going to work. Yeah, no, it's a... Uh... It's problematic staff, and it's not a shocking uh, development in any way. So we, we shall see. I do think, by the way, that uh, <laughs> the moment Tim Brewster was hired and David Kelly was brought on, I was like, oh, <laughs> I mean, who who in the college football world did not begin to go, ooh, ooh, okay, well, this this is a problem here. We got, we got some real issues. Uh, that Well, and I – I forget what Brewster said towards the end, but it was, oh, hell comes with it. I'm like, oh, my God. So you just stole one of Jimbo's things? You're like, I, I know that no idea is ever original, but when you get off that bus, hell comes with it. I'm like, man, it's like, okay, thanks for the retread from 2012 or 2013. Appreciate you, Tim. Good luck on the trail. Like, Tim Brewster is, in the old ways of college football, that setup man. That is yeah. pitched for every team in your division for at least two years. And it's just, he's Antonio Alfonseca. He's a uh, insert your middle reliever name there. But the problem is we're not in that era of college football anymore. And he's old anyway. It's just, I don't know how you pitch that. Maybe, maybe you pitch it because you know that Colorado doesn't know the difference. And that fan base and that booster base doesn't know the difference. But I just, man, I wouldn't be able with a straight face to say, here are your assistant coaches. By the way, so. I think we both agree, despite this take, that uh, it was worth a risk for Colorado to do it. I mean, they are so far removed from relevance that this is the only thing that gets people around the country, like we are right now, talking about Colorado. 
So in some ways, and, and I miss the days of Colorado being relevant. I, I want more teams in the party. Um, it's strange how they went from mattering to just not mattering in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and and to the, it was just an outpost that people thought, oh, my God. Because if you've ever been there, and I have, it's an awesome place. I mean, it, it's, it seems strange to me that you wouldn't be able to get people to come there. It is beautiful. You're not asking people uh, to, to come to, I, I don't know, I'd besmirch somebody, but like North Dakota. I mean, you know, you're, you're asking somebody to come to beautiful Colorado. It's beautiful. It, yeah, one of the interesting things I, I it's kind of a socioeconomic comment from Dion in his opening presser, and I was like, "Wow, you're really going to do that to Jackson?" He's like, "The crime rate here is impeccable." I'm like, "What? What are you doing, Dion? Why are you bringing up the crime rate? You're talking about why it's great to be a Colorado Buffalo? Like, Jesus, man, you're not running for mayor. I'm leaving that sorry old place. Boy, I'll tell you, being mayor at Jackson sucked." But being the mayor here is going to be the best. Look at this crime rate. It's going to be fantastic. Oh like, my <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. Multiple things can be true. And I'm going to pay attention to the score of Colorado games. Yeah. If not, outright tune in to watch maybe a quarter of Colorado football just to see the car crash. That's fine. And look, again, they may score an upset or stay close enough. In, the, in year one for him, even if they're close oh, that would a be pretty a win. good team yeah. Yeah. into the second half, you can position that as a win. So those are all the things that can help bolster, you know, your own resume if you're Dion or your own case to make in, in living rooms. But if you're Colorado, this is an absolute no-brainer. Yes, yeah, 100% I agree with you for the same reasons that we thought USF should go after him. I thought that would have been a home run hire for USF. I mean, I think the chances of success at USF would have been much greater as well. Um, you're not in the Power Five, and you have a chance to really recruit um, – you know, it's not like USF's standards uh, to get into the program would have been too difficult. Um, I mean, he could have gotten a lot of guys in there uh, that you can't get into Colorado. I don't know what Colorado is willing to do in that regard. That is a, a part of the discussion that not a lot of people want to have, but it's hard to get into Colorado. It's a good school. It's a really good school. Um, and this is the discussion. I'm not telling you it's Stanford, but I'm saying that it's an elite school and a lot of people understand that Trying to get kids to come play football at Stanford or at Notre Dame is a little bit, or Georgia Tech, it's a little bit different. Well, the other thing, too, is if you're in uh, a conference like USF is in, you get a few good players, and then all you got to do is beat Plumlee and Gus Malzahn. You know, that's Correct. not that big of a leap Correct. in terms of what is possible. But being able to beat Utah on the road, being able to well, good I mean, luck. Hell, even Oregon State this year, I'm like, man, there's no chance Colorado catches their ass. Like, it's just it, it. This is a very, very different challenge. And I don't know. I, I don't know what what he will. He'll position it to be a success no matter what, because God called him. It's like Russell Wilson. The voice got right in his ear. Maybe he and Russell can talk about what God's voice sounds like in each of their heads. And maybe it sounds exactly the same or it doesn't. Dion will always position it as a success, but man, he chose a much more difficult path. And in that way, you got to say respect because USF and whatever conference they're going to be in in the next two or three years is a far cry easier of a project in a better talent pool than Colorado is in the damn Pac-12. That's nuts.
Jaheim Bell, bring it back to Tallahassee, made me laugh yesterday. He talked about Mike Norvell. You can read this article that Ira wrote on warchant.com. Uh, a lot of eyes will be on Jaheim Bell, obviously. Now Mike's got toys at a position that he values greatly. We've talked about how that's been a, sort of the bane of Florida State's offense. They haven't had a dynamic player at the position, and even the guys they did have at the position were fairly productive because of the usage and play design that Mike Norvell's offenses have. You're going to get two or three throws a game where that guy – whoever is playing that role, that pseudo tight end H-back role, uh, is going to be wide open. Uh, don't get me wrong. I like Biscuit an awful lot. Uh, Cam McDonald was what he was, but they really haven't had uh, any sort of athletic uh, dynamicism, or if you will, um, in any way. And I, I think they have that now in Jaheim Bell, and we'll see if it is true of Morlock. But I, he cracked me up yesterday. He said, by the way, um, he, did, he didn't recognize Mike Norvell's number, didn't have the number. Uh, quote, Coach Norvell was asking me why I wasn't answering the phone uh, when he called. I told him I didn't know that was his phone number. Once I got on the phone with him, the conversation did go well. <laughs> I got this picture in my head of Mike Norvell. For, Come on, man, pick up yeah. the damn phone. Well, and he wouldn't be quiet about it, Coach Norvell. He'd be screaming about it. Yeah. Uh, and what, what Jaheim was saying, too, was, you know, he goes to compliance. He officially files the paperwork. And, the, you know, it's it's mandatory that compliance has to do as it, their name suggests and file it. And then you're in the system. Your phone number appears. He said by the time that he walked from the compliance office to his car, he had about 15 missed calls. Like it just, it, it just immediately, that's how crazy and instant in a world where everything is instant gratification. Sometimes things like this are still spooky to me that you're in an office, you've got somebody, it, it's almost looks like um, a rental car agency. And you're like, they type in stuff. They're like, here's, here's your printout. You're good to go. And then within a minute, your phone starts ringing with an area code from Auburn or Tallahassee or Knoxville or wherever. Just think about how nuts that is. And then once that call is done, here comes another one. Coaches are getting busy signals. They're getting voicemails. He said he turned it off for the drive home and he had a ton of voicemails waiting on him and text messages. It's just unbelievable. If you're a good player in the portal, it's almost like you want to put your burner phone number on the on the form and yeah, not your yeah. personal phone number because you'd have to throw that number away. Well, we've highlighted the things that have made Mike Norvell successful in the portal in the past, but it came up again. And I think it's worth pointing to at a time where you see a lot of movement in college football players coming and going roster retention is a difficult thing. And you wonder the teams that are having success, why they're having success and the ones that have struggled in the portal or struggled with their own roster retention, why that is. We get back to this conversation about Mike Norvell being a huge asset in the portal and creating the culture. You you know, listen, everybody's going to look at collectives. Everybody's going to talk. We've spent this week largely talking about collectives, the do's and don'ts, the ones that are succeeding, the ones that are failing. Yes, money has a big part to do with all of this. But if we're going to assume for a moment, unless you're trying to reset the market the way Florida did insanely, um, that everybody involved in the conversation is offering money. If you're going to assume that, okay, we're in the same ballpark, well, what's going to make the difference for the kid? And the answer to that is, again, the relationship that he develops with the coach that's contacting him. And Jaheim Bell brought it up again. Talk about culture a lot. Jaheim Bell brought this up yesterday. Quote, unquote, not just coach speak. It was real talk. And I'm telling you, 
Mike Norvell's methodologies are as much to, in my opinion, as much to um, uh, praise as uh, the the NIL and what we're seeing from Battles In, because those conversations every time get brought up by the kid that eventually says yes to Florida State. Every time. They all say the same thing. Well, you know, when I talk to Mike, when I talk to Coach Norvell, uh, he didn't he didn't tell me what I wanted to hear. He, he he told me what he expected. He told me what I would have to do if I came to Florida State. He told me about the culture they had there and what their expectations were. Yeah, he told me that I could get better and that I have a chance to be a good football player and a chance to start, but he didn't promise me anything. I love that, man. I I can't get enough of it because they all bring it up. There has to be something to it. He's the most successful coach in the portal in the country. There has to be something beyond the check. It's got to yeah. be about those conversations. They were ahead of the game. They, they, they took a chance on a pitch, and it worked so well and resonated so well for them on two fronts. One, it was refreshing to the kids. Yep. And then two, it gave them a better class of player in terms of culture fits. And I remember you had a discussion with Adam Fuller. I was sitting at the table before one of the, I guess it was last fall camp. Yeah. Just talking about what is your approach on the portal. And and they vet them very, very seriously. He was discussing some of the things that you're hearing from the player side, which is they're not going to tell you something to make you feel comfortable. In a way, they want to test you to see how you handle being uncomfortable with the straight facts. And all the offensive line recruits that we've talked to or transfers, I should say, have said the same thing that Coach Atkins will tell them things that they do wrong and things that they're inefficient or deficient at that they need to get better about. Yeah, you could do all this stuff, but look, if you're going to go to the next level, if you're going to be in the rotation here, you've got to get physically stronger or your technique has to clean up because it's garbage, like things like that. And kids love it because they want to get to a place where their skill set on tape is going to get them paid. And so you need that harsh criticism. We've all been there in life where a friend sometimes doesn't have what it takes to be mean to you. So you go to find that one person who is brutally honest and it makes you better. And that's where Florida State has gone in, in their approach with the portal. It's been great. Casey Roddick was awesome yesterday talking about that too. The one other thing I'll point out with uh, Jaheim Bell is that he was cold-blooded about the process. He said that Jordan Travis mattered a lot in his decision-making. And can we reflect on that briefly, that Jordan Travis has gone from a question mark as a pocket passer to the reason one of your potential game breakers decided to come here. It's amazing how much uh, things change in just 13 games. It's being noticed. Uh, Chuck Oliver asked me about it day before yesterday. Um, He asked me, had I ever seen uh, a quarterback, and I couldn't wait to answer the question. In fact, I'll expound here in a second. Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. What's up, guys? Our next partner that you're going to hear from is Athletic Greens. You've heard me talk about Athletic Greens in the past. Happy to talk about them again. I take Athletic Greens every day, and I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se. And I wanted something that tasted good, too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, It had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit, and uh, it is a a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, That's Athletic Greens. 
And uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. It's athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. before the break that uh, I did a radio show yesterday as a guest and uh, the, the host is a former coach in college and uh, you guys probably heard Chuck Oliver. Anyhow, he, he has me on uh, on a pretty regular basis to discuss Florida State and I think we got a pretty good rapport and uh, he said basically, hey man, I know you go out to practice and you know, you've, you've watched this kid, but I continue uh, you know, to be surprised and amazed at how effective of a passer he's become. And I kind of jumped at the opportunity to talk about this because I, I've not seen that. I've not seen somebody who was not an effective passer, somebody who played the position of quarterback, had some unique skill sets, including the ability to, to really be elusive and, and, and kill you with his legs. And a lot of times guys like that, because they've always had the ability to run, they've always had the ability to make people miss in close spaces, close proximity, because they could buy time and make off-platform plays at an early age, depending on when they got moved to quarterback. Guys like that, a lot of times, are so reliant on it, and why wouldn't you be? Because you've had the ability to make plays and win games, You know, presumably peewee football and into high school football, and uh, if that's what got you victories and if that's what was relied upon by your coaches, having that option of being just an elite athlete, um, it was rare that you would ever get put in a box and be told you're not allowed to run. I'm going to watch you develop as a passer. You're going to pre-snap. You're going to anticipate. You're going to throw with technique and accuracy and good footwork. You're going to throw in rhythm. You're going to have a trust in your receivers. You're going to understand this offense backwards and forwards and be able to side adjust and do all these things. And I'm going to take away the thing that made you so great. I'm going to take away the thing that led you to where you stand now and then actually transition in a way that you can go entire games in which you don't run a single time. And Jordan Travis did that. And he didn't just do it. He did it successfully in a way that now we talk about the passing game and that if we're playing a great defense, if there's a great pass rush, 
if you're not going to have success running traditionally, then maybe we're going to need to incorporate Jordan Travis's legs to open things up, as opposed to going into the game thinking, well, you've got a guy that if worse comes to worse, you can roll out and give him options to run, and he's going to make some people miss, and you're going to flip field position and give yourself a chance in this game against a stout defense. Like, we don't think of Jordan Travis as a runner. We think of Jordan Travis as a passer. And I didn't think that was possible. Again, it's a testament to him, but I think others have noticed to the point where you go into these games. Again, there were entire games last year. Jordan Travis didn't run the ball. And I think some of those games he was instructed not to. A, we didn't need him to. We could run traditionally. The offensive line was a far cry better than it's been. Uh, but B, I also think that he was dealing with that injury from the Louisville game and there was no need to put any added pressure on him to beat you with his legs if you didn't have to. And so I just, I continue to be amazed by the fact that Jordan Travis has transitioned to a place of just being a, a, a great passer, which I say great, a really good passer. Yeah. I'd say too that, you know, in just watching his development this year, it's been a really fun ride because we weren't, it wasn't life or death that Florida state made the playoff or a national championship. You were looking for incremental growth. And so your expectation level in that situation was to see that he's better, that, that he wasn't necessarily elite, but that he was a better player. And so he was, but then it, what I didn't expect to see was that you would get to with ESPN's cameras, or if you were in the press box or in the stands at Doak, you were able to see the mental part of the game on the fly in the heat of the moment affect him. And then Jordan Travis overcome that. Unfortunately for us, it had to affect him in a game like NC state where, I mean, it was very hard to lose that game and we found a way to lose that football game. And that was frustrating. But again, this was not a life or death season. It was about improvement. But you saw the interactions with Jordan and Coach Norvell for about a game and a half worth of football where they were not feeling it. They were not in sync. And Jordan, I think, was kind of panicking. I mean, plain and simple, I think he was panicking. The game was moving fast for him. He was making decisions that were not characteristic of a good quarterback, at least as a pocket passer. But you know what? He hadn't been in that position to learn right. how to yeah. be a pocket passer in the heat of the moment. So we all had to go through that growth process as a fan base and kind of be patient about it. I just found that whole stretch of the season in the middle to be really fascinating. And then to watch him come out the other side of it, win you the Florida game by himself. And then in the Oklahoma game, show the ability to throw anticipatory throws, make decisions, understand that the ball needs to be in a certain place as a receiver is getting out of his break. It's just, it was a really, really fun ride. And it started almost immediately that LSU game after the first two or three third downs, where yeah. he knew where the pressure was coming from and he knew where to go with the football to the end of the year where you're seeing, all right, now I know you can do this and make throws, but can you do so before the receiver gets out of his break instead of seeing it before you throw it? He showed signs there too. It has been really fun to watch. And if he goes to another level this year and is a legitimate Heisman contender and a legitimate professional prospect, I mean, this is one of the most unlikely things we'll have ever covered. At, at, in our time with Florida State, my 14 years and your 30 years. It'd just be really, really fun to watch and document again. <laughs> 30 years. 
<laughs> damn near. Yeah. Damn we're near. Getting, we're, getting, we're getting there. Hey, you know, one thing I'll tell you is uh, it, it's probably changed just fundamentally. It's changed what we think is possible. I don't know that we'll ever see it again. Um, and I'm going to have to kind of catch myself because I think more often than not, if you see overwhelming evidence that a guy is not a good passer and he's a sophomore in college, well, look, man, he's not going to be a good passer. It's just not going to happen. Jordan Travis is an outlier. He is, he is the exception, not the rule. Uh, it is remarkable. I, I just, I don't think you're going to see too many of these moments ever again. So I am trying to appreciate it. I will say there's a lot of room for growth. Like as good as he is as a college quarterback and certainly uh, the improvements that we're documenting and discussing now as a passer, there's still plenty of room. He can get much faster. He can be far less of a see it and throw it. And uh, you did note that he made some anticipatory throws in the Oklahoma game. He did. He had moments like that this year, but he can get a lot more consistent with that because he's yeah. going to have to to really graduate to being a big-time prospect for the NFL. He's always going to have the problem of being small for the NFL. He's always going to have the problem of being uh, in the minds of what I would think NFL GMs are looking at. Too small, injury-prone. This isn't Lamar Jackson. He's not built that way. He's not built – uh, like Jalen Hurts, he's not built in in ways that allow him to take some of that punishment. So I think people will always be worried about that, but they may be willing to look beyond those worries if he continues to get even better as a thrower. I mean, just it's amazing. And I'm not gonna, I'm done doubting Jordan Travis. I've said this a bunch. I'm done saying he can't do it because he's already done something I didn't think he could. He's already done something, and then took it beyond that and like he transitioned from a pretty good passer to a guy that I could count on to win me a game throwing the football. That's it's really cool. And I'm rooting for it to continue because it's one of the great stories. It happens to be our story. We cover Florida state. We love the Knowles, but it's a story that I think if I were doing a show in new Orleans, if I were doing a show in Austin, Texas, if I were doing a show in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I wanted to touch on college football, I would look at, the best stories and like we do here, you know, the best stories in the game. TCU was one of the great stories in the game last year. It made zero sense that a team that lost their coach was sub 500 came into the season, picked fifth in their own conference, which isn't a dominant conference to begin with somehow ended up in the national championship game. That was an amazing, compelling story. And it was fun to talk about just like it's fun to talk about the other great players in the game, Caleb Williams and others, you know, Cormit running back for Michigan, like we do all the time. I would be bringing this up. I would be like, guys, do you realize that kid down in Tallahassee that when we watched Florida State, we thought, well, there's going to be a ceiling on what they can do because that guy isn't really a good passer. You know, that's how you view kids like Jordan Travis coming into last season is you say, oh, they can win some games and he'll win some games single-handedly running the ball. And uh, if their defense improves, who knows, they could win the conference. But you always cut them off and put a put together a ceiling or a limit to what they could do because they could not win in the passing game when defenses took his running ability away. But he has, and he can, and he did repeatedly. And I know that is a story, by the way. We, we became friends with the guys that cover LSU, and we'll talk to them again going into next year's game. They were all stunned after that game. I remember after the game, I talked to you and Gene. 
in the post game from the box where I called in from the Superdome there and we were having a discussion. And I said in that discussion, I can't believe from Jump Street how quickly Jordan Travis knew what LSU was trying to do to him because they disguised every look to the last second over and over. And they gave him a bunch of different looks over and over and over again. And he never flinched. That was the story of that game. It wasn't the block extra point. It wasn't that Mike Norvell and crew tried to blow that game. It wasn't even the fumble down on the goal line and toss pitch and all that. It was that Jordan Travis was unflappable against that defense, which has some real dudes and a variety of looks. He never, he never flinched. That was the story of that game to me. And it really was something that ended up portending of what was to come. Yeah, to the point where, you know, let's forget about that final five minutes or so for a second. You're up two scores late, and you feel like you should have been up four scores. Yeah, you could have been because, dominating. Because of how well he played. And and look, this is the fun part about this, too. We discuss it more than we ever have. You know, either the mental health aspect of conditioning and coaching. Uh, this goes back 10 years to social media discussions. But then also something that we've talked about, you know, as long as sports has been going on, which is confidence and something you like to bring up a lot. But this is a cautionary tale for that reason. You can develop through confidence into something that you haven't been before or that you haven't shown before. Jordan Travis was a broken human being. That's the way he described himself in terms of wanting to leave the sport that he loved, the mm -hmm. sport that he loved to play. He wanted to quit. But a combination of Mike Norvell and Kenny Dillingham coming in, stabilizing his situation after a bad run at Louisville, Willie's time here at Florida State, had him thinking, okay, I'll give it another run. And then with the confidence, the self-belief, came this unbelievable exponential growth. And the other thing is, beyond what it's, how awesome it is for the young man, how, how great it's been to document, and maybe what's to come, for the coaching staff, when you get the moniker of a developer of a quarterback, that is unbelievably useful, either in the recruiting ranks or the transfer portal. And what Coach Norvell and Alex Atkins, to a degree, and Tony Tokar, certainly to a degree, have done to help Jordan Travis come along from where he was to where he's ever going to finish is so valuable because next year, the rest of the country is going to pay a lot more attention to it, which means that 17-year-old quarterbacks who are really good are going to pay attention to that. It increases our stock, our standing in the recruiting community and in the transfer portal to continue to get better players. In short, Jordan Travis is opening the gate for us as an institution that develops quarterbacks, and that's never a bad thing, man. That's a hell of a feather to have in your cap to go along with some of that Memphis tape in order to make your pitch for a game-changing type player. ESPN Plus yesterday published an article. I don't know if everybody has seen it because it was ESPN Plus and they dubbed that exclusive content. Uh, and Florida State is being mentioned alongside Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, to name a few. Alabama sandwiched in there as well. I'll tell you what it was in a moment. Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside florida state athletics that's warchant.com now back to jeff on real talk 93.3 libations friday rolling on jeff cameron show hope you are well 93.3 real talk radio warchant I mentioned before the break that Florida State, in an article on ESPN Plus, was grouped together with uh, the creme de la creme of college football over the last few years, certainly last season. Uh, and I, I, I've grown to expect that uh, these days. I think that the expectations may end up being probably above and beyond what's reasonable, but it is a national expectation as opposed to a local expectation. Georgia was on this list. Ohio State was on this list. Michigan was on this list. And they were in that order of discussion, one, two, three. Fourth on that list, ahead of Alabama and ahead of Penn State and ahead of USC, was Florida State. Just beyond that grouping was uh, LSU, whom obviously Florida State's going to play in the first game, Oregon, and followed by Tennessee. So pretty lofty uh, company that you're keeping Uh, for this particular piece. And the piece was entitled College Football Transfer Grades for Way Too Early Top 25 Teams. And they went through and talked about the biggest departures for each of the teams and the best newcomers. Uh, And they documented Georgia's, obviously, um, you know, they talked about Georgia has the best tight end in the country and Brock Bowers, but they also had three tight ends transfer out. Um, I can imagine so. But they talked about, what did they do to offset that and the people they brought in, so on and so forth. I won't um, bore you with breakdown of two-time back-to-back national champion Georgia Bulldogs. Nobody's feeling sorry. They did the same for Ohio State and Michigan. What they said about Florida State in regards to the biggest departure was running back Treshawn Ward, finished second on the team with 628 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, I would agree with that. I mean, Treshawn not only brought – an explosiveness uh, to the run game and a different different gear kind of to the run game than Trey Benson brings, different skill set anyhow. Um, Malik McClain was mentioned in this article as well, having gone to Penn State. And, you know, could very well be that he has a huge year for Penn State. Um, and they it all made sense. They, the biggest newcomers, and they broke this down, Fintrell Cypress, uh, Daryl Jackson, Brandon Fisk, we all the guys, then Jaheim Bell, the aforementioned Jaheim Bell, all the guys we've talked about before. And they went on to say, 
Florida State has done a great job at addressing several positions of need in the portal, including offensive and defensive lines. One more key area worth keeping an eye on in the offseason is safety. Um, they went on to grade this as an A+. The Knowles have addressed a few needs this offseason through the portal, added big pieces. Fisk is a huge addition up front. Cypress, one of the top corners in the portal this offseason, adding tight ends, Jaheim Bell and Kyle Morlock. Give the staff two great options at a position of need. This haul will help the coaches continue to push this program forward beginning next year. And I just want to point out that, again, that is a national article. Van Heron was the one doing the assessment of Florida State. And so you know, because I get this a lot, uh, are we out over our skis because we're head over heels with a 10-win season for the first time in a long time? Or is this the expectation within the college football world, the analysts who look at the big picture in the game as a whole? The answer is that it is most assuredly the assessment of those outside of Tallahassee that I find fascinating because those folks obviously don't have a dog in the fight and they do feel like Florida State is going to be preseason top 10. I know we roll our eyes, but there's no getting around the fact that uh, a certain uh, Southern talk show host, all right, Paul Feinbaum, uh, has picked Florida State to go to the playoff. He did so earlier this week. He thinks Florida State will go to the playoff next year. Shocking, given Paul Feinbaum's history of hatred for Florida State. Uh, but, yeah, um, he's not alone. Plenty of other guys that I've talked to in other markets have talked about how, yeah, Florida State feels like that team because every year there's the three that feel like a given. But one of those three is no longer a given, and that's Clemson. Clemson has fallen off the list of teams that you pencil into the playoff. They're no longer a sure thing. In fact, most people wouldn't think of them as a playoff program. The programs you think as playoff programs right now, the top two are Georgia and Ohio State. Boom. That's odd. It probably hurts Alabama's fans' feelings. They'd be next on that list, right? Who's the fourth? Who's the fourth that you think is a playoff in your head, who else would I be thinking about? Well, I mean, I just said Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. Florida State's a viable fourth in the eyes of a lot of people. And they got to beat Clemson at Clemson. But I don't know that I would name anybody else that I feel overwhelmingly sure of. USC, okay, maybe. But they didn't even win the Pac-12 last year. Just like Florida State didn't win the ACC. USC feels like a program that should take the next step forward, but do they feel any more certain than Florida State, who should also take the next step forward? I don't think so. I don't think yeah. so. I don't think you would throw Michigan in that list either. Maybe you would. Maybe you think they're more of a sure thing. Back-to-back -back wins over Ohio State, an emerging quarterback. They won that game on the road last year. Jim Harbaugh is returning. Seems like every year there's some weird off-season problem and drama with Harbaugh, which I don't think is healthy for a program, but nonetheless, he is returning and they do have a good young quarterback and a great running game. So maybe you would put Michigan on that list ahead of USC and Florida State. Tennessee, I don't know. I don't know that you necessarily would. Possibly. It's an elite offense. It's a really bad defense. They are well coached. Are they more of a sure thing out of the SEC than Florida State is out of the ACC? No, I think they're alongside one another. LSU, we're playing each other first game of the year, same type expectations. I thought about this more and more as I read the article because I realized like, oh, well, I feel like we're advancing the cause a little bit 
uh, too fast. But when I brought up in my head USC, Tennessee, uh, all the schools I just mentioned, Michigan, did I feel like Florida State didn't belong in the same conversation with those teams? And the answer was no, I think they do. I think if I took Florida State in a neutral site game against Tennessee, against Michigan, against Southern Cal, yeah, I might have to win a shootout, but I feel like we could be in that game in a neutral site, don't you? Yeah, I, I think that as you're going through at great detail all these other teams, the SEC will take care of itself to a degree. They'll cancel each other out down to maybe two candidates. Big 10, maybe down to one candidate between Michigan and Ohio State. USC is the tough one. USC is going to be the tough one to figure for two reasons. One, they've got a Heisman candidates, just like Jordan, coast-to-coast quarterback. They have a Heisman winner. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, but I'm just talking about that there's there's symmetry. You know, there's on either Mm -hmm. coast, you've got, you know, superstar quarterbacks in the college game, in the college game, and then you've also got playoff contenders. So as you're going through that and listing those teams, one thing that we have not done in a long, long time that we're going to have to do this season is scoreboard watch. We're going to have to, there's going to have to be a guide for who we're rooting against every week because yeah. we want our stock by default to climb. And then I'll break the news right now. This is my own news. I'm breaking it. It's completely my own thought. That LSU game is massive <laughs> for the playoff chances <laughs> because of what it could do for your stock. Yeah. Well, we'll all be over in Orlando together to watch it, broadcasting, celebrating, and launching a season that is going to be as anticipated. Uh, a season as maybe 2012 was. It's it's really that kind of exciting. Hour number two, forthcoming, Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.